can you turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15? It's on page 1156. 1156. And I'm just going to read a little bit. This is what we do on a Sunday afternoon. We take a bit of the Bible. We read it. We try and understand what God is saying. We believe this is God's word. It's powerful. It's wonderful. Um, And I'm going to read where it says the resurrection of the dead. Um, I'm going to read just a little chunk uh, from there. Verses 12 uh, through to 22. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead... How can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. The resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in turn. Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Okay, we're going to leave it there. I've got two statements. They cannot both be true. One of these statements is false. Here are the two statements. Statement number one, dead people don't rise. Okay, that's statement number one. When someone is dead, they stay dead. That's it. End of. Here is statement number two. Christ has been raised. Now, those two statements cannot both be true. And they form the logic that... That juxtaposition between those two statements, that forms the logic of what's going on in 1 Corinthians 15. The man who wrote this letter wants to force us to think, well, which of those two statements is true? Now, let me just, uh, I, want to, I just want you to feel the logic for a second, okay? So I'm going to change the language. This might at first seem a little abstract and surreal but just go with it for a moment or two and we'll see how we end up i want to imagine someone who loves dogs that's not abstract there are those people but in particular right it's not just they love dogs actually they love a very specific sort of dog they love gray dogs that's it that's their that's their obsession a grey dog. Nothing does it. A grey dog. They have fluffy grey dogs and pictures of grey dogs and posters of all of that sort of stuff. But the interesting thing is they've never ever seen a grey dog in their whole life. Never. In, in the flesh, in reality. I told you it was a little abstract. Stick with it. This is going somewhere. <laughs> now some people mock this person. And they say there are no grey dogs. 
There are no grey dogs at all. But one day this person gets a letter from someone who says, I've got a dog, he's called Rover, and he's grey. Two statements. There are no grey dogs. Rover is a grey dog. I'm going to read the passage again, but I'm going to replace all the statements with these statements about dogs in order for you to feel the logic of what's happening, perhaps, or to be thoroughly confused. We'll see how we go. Follow along and uh, you'll see what happens. If it is preached that Rover is a grey dog, how can some of you say there are no grey dogs? If there are no grey dogs, then not even Rover is a grey dog. And if Rover is not a grey dog, then your whole life is useless and your obsession is pointless. More than that, this person who talks about a grey dog's a liar. Because they've testified that Rover is a grey dog. But Rover is not a grey dog if there are no grey dogs. For if there are no grey dogs, then Rover's not a grey dog either. And if Rover's not a grey dog, then your obsession is pitiful but Rover is indeed a grey dog (laughs) do you see the logic did that help (laughs) here's the I think it's crystal clear now this is what Paul is saying Paul is saying these two things cannot both be true If dead people don't rise, then Christ hasn't been raised. But if Christ has been raised from the dead, then dead people do rise. That's what he's forcing us to see. And you cannot have both these statements. And so first up, he says, okay, in the first chunk, in verses 12 to 19, he says, okay, let's pretend that statement one is true, that dead people are not raised. Let's see where we end up if dead people are not raised. That's what he does in his first chunk, verses 12 to 19. Dead people don't rise, and therefore Christ has not been raised. Now let's face it, that is absolutely what loads of people today in London believe. They'd be like, yes, dead people don't rise. Yep, I'm on that. And that is absolutely what lots of people 2,000 years ago in Corinth believed. They believed that dead people did not rise. This idea of dead people not rising, it's not a newfangled thing. It's a very common thing. Right from the very beginning of humanity, people have worked out that when someone is dead, they stay dead. It's not difficult science. It's just obvious. Dead people don't rise. Now, I I, want to be clear about what's going on in this place, Corinth, though. So let me just try and unpack this a little bit, try and push you to think a little bit more about this. Let's be clear what it meant for them. When they said that dead people don't rise, they weren't actually talking about the human soul. Okay, The church in Corinth viewed human beings as body and soul. This is classic Greek thinking, right? This is the philosopher Plato. Body and soul. Sorry if we're getting a bit deep, but you'll have fun. I'm going to talk about a 12 bar in a minute, so it's going to be all fine. (laughs) Body and soul. And Greek thinking, Plato and the thinking of Corinth, was that the soul was the real you, the inside bit, the real me, and the body was just a shell, it was just nothing. 
That's how they thought. So look, I've got a 12 bar here. This is a 12 bar. Would you agree this is a 12 bar? Yes. Okay. Okay, let me, let me do something. Would you agree this is a 12 bar? Yes. If I said I'm going to give you a 12 bar and I gave you this, you would say, a little bit weird that it's not in a wrapper, but I'll accept your definition. It is a 12 bar. Is this a 12 bar? No. No. If I gave you this and said, look, I've got a 12 bar for you, you would not be impressed. This is just the wrapper. This is the bit you throw away. This isn't the 12 bar. This is just the bit that holds the 12 bar. That is platonic thinking. That is Greek philosophical thinking. That the human is just the wrapper. The body is just the wrapper. And the soul is the real bit. And so what they thought was that the dead, the body just was to be chucked away like a, like a wrapper. It was to be thrown away. That didn't matter. It didn't matter. The body didn't matter. It didn't matter what you did with it. It didn't matter how you used it. It just doesn't matter. The only bit that mattered was the soul. <laughs> this is going to get distracting. <laughs> the only bit that mattered was the soul, was the inside bit. And yes, that bit will live on, on and on and on. And when Paul writes, the dead are raised... He is saying no on 12-bar thinking. He is saying, human beings, you are not just a soul that happens to have a body. To be human means to be body and soul. Our bodies are good. God created us with bodies to enjoy food and the goodness of this world and all the good things he gives You are body and soul. And so he says, and his view, and what he is teaching, is that the dead will rise. He doesn't mean, oh, it's nice because your soul will float around in heaven. No, he means that your body will rise. You see, now that's a big thing. Okay, now you see why there's a problem now with what they're saying. They don't believe it. But that's what he's saying. He is saying, when he talks about the resurrection of the dead in verse 12, that's what he's talking about. Body and soul being raised. If you're around for the next few weeks, we're going to look at this in a lot more detail in the rest of 1 Corinthians 15. And the Corinthians don't believe that. (laughs) That's nonsense, they say. What load of nonsense? The body doesn't matter. It's just a bit of rubbish. Chuck it away. Soul matters. I think that puts them in a pretty similar place to London in the 21st century. Most people in London today would say dead people don't rise. Okay, perhaps we have a soul. Yeah, maybe. Maybe we have an inner me that something happens after death. Maybe. But either way, we can all agree on this. Dead people don't rise. We can certainly agree on that, surely, can't we? Well, Paul says, okay. Uh... Let's go with that. And then you see people say, well, it's okay because there's still lots of stuff about being a Christian that's good. We can still hold on to kind of the teaching and the ethics and stuff. There's loads that's good. We can get rid of the body rising, but we can just have the good stuff. Paul says, no, if the dead are not raised, then it's nothing. But please get this. 
If Jesus, if the message of the Bible, if the gospel, if Jesus Christ has no answer to death, by which I don't just mean the soul, I mean body and soul, if Jesus can't do something about death, then he is a complete waste of space who needs to be rejected utterly. If he can't actually save you, what a waste of time. Okay, imagine you're drowning in the sea. So here we are, drowning in the sea, drowning, drowning. But it's okay because there's a lifeboat coming. Here comes the lifeboat. Hooray for the lifeboat. I get into the lifeboat and as I get into the lifeboat, I sit down. I breathe a sigh of relief until I notice that there seems to be water pouring in through holes in the bottom of the lifeboat. And so I say to the lifeboat man, will this lifeboat make it back? And he goes, no, it's going to sink. But we've got a minibar and Netflix. So feel free to relax and enjoy. At which I say, if this lifeboat can't save me, it's useless. I don't care about the minibar. I don't care how comfortable I am while I sink. If the lifeboat can't save me, then it is not good news. Right, here's the deal. Our biggest problem is that we're going to die. All of us are going to die. And if there is no hope in the face of death, if the message of Jesus can't do something about that, then it's not good news. And the best we've got is a minibar and Netflix while we slowly sink. That's why what Sarah said in her testimony was absolutely right. This is a life and death matter. So Paul says, look, if... If the dead are not raised, if there's no resurrection, forget it. Let's give up. Let's go home. Let's go do something else. Let's drink the minibar until we're drunk and let's watch Netflix until we're bored. Oh, look at verse 22. They're 20. Because Paul says, yes, but now, what if the other statement is true? What if statement two is true? Verse 20, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who've fallen asleep. Christ has been raised. That is statement two, okay? Statement one, dead are not raised. Statement two, but Christ has been raised. And Paul says, the man who wrote this, I am utterly convinced that that is true. And he's convinced of it historically, physically, accurately. He's convinced of it absolutely. Just cast your eye back to um, verse 3 of chapter 15. We looked at this last week. Phil showed us this last week. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he then appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve. After that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all he appeared to me also. Paul says, I've seen him, he's alive. Christ has been raised from the dead. 
Statement two is true, Paul says. And that means that statement one is not true. Because when Christ rose from the dead, this is what happened. His body, his corpse, was taken down off the cross. It was placed in a tomb and it lay there. And it's not true that the wrapper was thrown away and then his soul went floating off to heaven. What happened is that three days later, his body rose. There was no body in the tomb because it was alive again. He did not rise in some spiritual way. He rose actually physically bodily. And if Christ did it, well then so can you. Because it's not impossible. Because Christ has been raised, how can you say that people are not raised from the dead? Because they are, because Christ has been raised. And so here's how he argues it. And he talks about Christ being the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. First fruits of those who've already died. Remember playing with trains? This is first fruits, okay, in a sort of non-fruity way. Here we go. Here's a train. Happy memories for some. Happy memories. My friends used to have an electric uh, train kit. I was never allowed an electric one. I was only ever allowed this one that you had to push like this. Actually, one of the most exciting things about getting married was uh, going and finding that my parents-in-law had a fantastic electric train track. Huge in their garage. It was wonderful. Anyway, the point is, the thing at the front, the engine, wherever the engine goes, the trucks will follow. Yes, I know sometimes you go too fast around the bends. I know that. Forget that. Wherever the engine goes, the trucks will follow. When Paul says that Christ is the first fruits, it's like Christ is the train, the engine of a train. And Christ has died and been raised. And he's the first fruits of all those who are trusting him, who are joined to him. Let's push this a little bit further. Have a look at me at verse 21. We see this train image. There's another train. There's the Christ train, but there's another train, the Adam train. Uh, Verse 21. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Just hold on. I know it sounds complicated. Hang on in there. Adam was the very first man that God created and Adam made a choice to live his life away from God, to live his life his way, to go his way. He set the direction of humanity away from God. So here he goes, he's on the train and he set the direction away from God. The trouble is when you move away from God, when you turn away from God, the result is death. Adam is heading straight for death. That is God's punishment on our turning away from him. And so the Adam train is heading straight for death. But the trouble is it's not just Adam because there's all those who come after Adam, who live like Adam, who make the same choices as Adam, all in Adam, all connected to Adam, that is all of humanity is heading for death. 
That's why we all die. Death is God's punishment on this world. And not just physical death, but eternal death. God's punishment on our turning away from him. Adam did not rise from the dead. He was dead. That's where Adam's train leads to death. But there's another train. Because just as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. And so God sends another man. Adam failed and led humanity into death, but God has sent another man, Christ, who lived the perfect life, who lived a life of obedience, and Christ walked a different way. He set a different direction, and Christ went to a cross. He died taking the punishment he did not deserve, but he took it from me so that he might go through death and smash his way out the other side. And now anyone who says, I'm going to leave the Adam train, I'm going to trust Christ, be united to Christ, I'm going to get on board Christ's train will follow Christ through death to life that is what Paul is arguing here we've seen it in Christ now I, I get it right I get the sitting here going yeah actually the Bible says that one day the dead will be raised we go it's nonsense it's nonsense it's nonsense I agree absolute nonsense except We've seen it. It's happened. There is a man who came back from the dead. And if Christ rose from the dead, then everyone who's connected to him will do too. And that's it. That's what it means to be a Christian. To be a Christian means I don't want to, I don't want to live on Adam's train heading for death. I want to trust Christ, the one who came, the one who rose from the dead. I want to be on his train. And by being baptized this afternoon, Sarah and Sally and Rebecca and Josiah, they're saying, I'm on Christ's train. I'm with Christ. I've trusted him. And he will take me safely through death to life one day this body you see in front of you this fairly feeble uh, aging middle aged body one day this body will die just like Christ died but that's not the end because Christ was raised I will be raised too that's the hope come on that's good that's not a lifeboat with holes in it that's a gospel worth staking your life on. And if you want to know whether it's true or not, it's easy to work it out. This is how you work it out. Did Christ rise or not? It's that simple. If Christ rose from the dead, everything I've said is true. If Christ is still in the tomb, the dead are not raised, there are no great dogs, Rover's not a great dog, we can shoot. But if Christ was raised, that changes everything. So I want to know this afternoon, are you sure? Do you know whether Christ rose or not? Perhaps you've got lots of thinking to do about that. That's okay. There's loads of stuff you can read. There's loads of stuff you can think. Keep coming along. Keep asking your questions. Work it out. But it's no good to shrug your shoulders and go, well, I don't know. Too much hangs on it. If Christ rose from the dead, then the dead will be raised. And everybody here this afternoon is either on the Adam train or on the Christ train. And this afternoon I 
call to you. Trust Christ. This is gospel. This is good news. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we we hear this stuff and in, in, in many ways in our materialistic world, in our world of, of science and stuff, Lord, it, we, we hear this stuff and perhaps we just attempted to dismiss it as nonsense, but Lord, it happened 2,000 years ago. There was a man who smashed his way out of death and if Christ rose from the dead, then the dead are raised. And Father, we pray we understand that. Thank you that there is gospel, there is good news. And Father, we praise you because Christ is raised. And we ask you to help us to trust him. Amen.